At my recent retreat in Arizona, I had a real treat for the clients, and that was an opportunity to listen to a conversation with myself and my current coach and mentor, Steve Hardison. Now, Steve Hardison rarely does interviews, and he rarely allows them to be recorded. He really likes everybody to be fully immersed in the present moment. Well, not only did he do the interview, he allowed us to record it, and that's what you're going to see. So you're going to notice that the quality might not be what you're used to seeing when you see interviews from us, but I really want you to lean in and listen to this conversation as if it has the opportunity to change your life because, quite frankly, it does. With myself, our first guest, and I want to introduce the first guest by actually kind of me not introducing him, but Ianla Vincent introducing him. How does that sound? She's not here, so don't get so excited, okay? <laughs> this is what she says about Steve Hardison in the foreword of the book, The Ultimate Coach. This is what I know to be true. Some things speak to your mind. Some things speak to your heart. Some things speak to your soul. And some things speak into your spirit. And when something is speaking into your spirit, your mind can't comprehend what it is. Your heart can only feel it and your soul allows it, but it is your spirit that responds. When it comes to Steve Hardison, remember that you are stepping into the presence of an angel. It is not going to be anything like your imagination. What do you wear when you go to meet an angel? My invitation to you would be to show up naked. Welcome, Steve Hardison. Chief Performance and Mindset Coach, Hannah Khan. Welcome back! I make it part of my self-image, and the more I rest, the more I make. Hannah Khan is an extraordinary woman. She has a very extraordinary understanding of how the mind functions. You know, I remember one time I was in your office, Steve, and we were in a session and Steve was saying something, but then he, it, it slipped. And I looked at him, I don't know if you remember this, Steve, and I said, I got it. Yes. And that's how I feel with you. Sometimes words don't even need to be spoken. I even feel that we could sit here for the next hour and not say a word and you would have the most profound shift. Do you feel that? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. I love you too. Okay. Steve, we put this quote card on everybody's table. I believe in miracles and the miraculous. I expect miracles and the miraculous. I create miracles and the miraculous. I experience miracles and the miraculous. And so can you. You are the miracle and the miraculous 
and so am I. Can you share more about that? Yes, I can. First, may I say something? Please. <clears throat> Thank you all for being here. Thank you for taking your time to come from wherever you came from. The experience that you had to get here, whoever you had to convince or help or do whatever, and all the things you did, I appreciate you doing that. I'm grateful to be with you. There's nothing more important to me than being able to be with people that are um, interested in creating miracles. And I think what this is called is the expansion with Hina. So it's an amazing place because miracles aren't out there. Miracles are in here. Miracles are in here. They get manifested out there. So when I say I expect miracles, I experience miracles, I create miracles, I am a miracle, and so are you, that's literally what happens in my mind. I even just look at coming here this morning. The experience of coming here and not having my glasses and having to go back and then taking Yosef with me and having the time with your son to learn about him and what he's experienced and then to be spend some time with Lauren. It's like the miracles, you're carrying them around with you and the other miracles, whoever's in front of you. And that's literal for me. And it doesn't matter who the person is. I'm not like, oh, let's see, do I like this one? What do I get from this one? What color is he, she? Which way does it walk? Doesn't matter. I mean, just, just look, look out and see someone and know that every single person in this room and in the world has their own set of fears, responsibility, challenges, and they're going after it. If we knew everything everyone was going through, we'd weep. We would weep. And then just the miracle of the body, these bodies here. I don't know how many of you have ever seen your own uh, tear duct, but if you haven't seen your own tear duct, get your little mirror out and look there and see a little tear duct. Every one of you have them. And it, it comes out when you're born. Man, a guy gets together with a gal, seat goes in, baby comes out, and there's a tear duct. Where, where are the miracles? I get my phone. I can have my phone. Anybody that's got one of these, I can talk to them anywhere in the world. Well, there are no miracles today. Everywhere, that's all there are is miracles. If we opened our eyes to them, and I suggest that you do, because the ultimate miracle is the person sitting in your chair. That's the ultimate miracle. That's not some cute thing to say. That's you. You are, you are literally the only person that has your DNA. You have an eye print. If we took, put it to a computer, it could unlock a door, and your eye would be the only one to unlock the door. You have a fingerprint that's uniquely yours. And I'm suspecting we have tongue prints. I'll make that one up. <laughs> so you're the miracle. When's it going to happen? Now. How? The next person I talk to. The next thought I have. I mean, take this experience this morning. I left my home at 7 to get here. Met a guy that parks my car. We had an extraordinary conversation about being. I don't know him. I've never seen him before in my life. 
miracle, first person that needs a miracle. Then all of a sudden, Christina Parker shows up. It's like, whoa, check that out. And they come walking into a room and got my glasses on, go to get my glasses, and like, I don't have my glasses. And you know, I, they're prescription. So I say to my lovely Hannah, do you want me to go get my glasses? Or you want to do this with sunglasses on? <laughs> and it was a miracle in everything that happened. How we got there. Joseph and I talking, what I learned about him. I learned so much about him in that, however long that ride was. And I told him that he had to promise me that he didn't tell his mom how fast we went. Just, <laughs> just we went fast and there was a speed limit. Because at first said he said, we went fast in the speed limit. No, 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 you can't say that. That's why <laughs> we went fast and there was a speed limit. <laughs> then every minute of our time was miraculous. What he shared about his brother what he shared about his mother, what he shared about his father, what he shared about the experience of looking through a lens. Everything. Miraculous. And we have very limited time because I know you're here. And I apologize to make any of you wait. We pull in. I have the time to go in and get my sunglasses, walk through the house, showing the 1111 masterpiece wall, showing the art gallery in the, in the, showing the art. This only took 60 seconds. Showing the art gallery. And shared with him stuff that, and, and I said, I've never done this before. And I take my and say, there's my office. You can oh. look in it. No, nobody goes in there except people that are committed. And I've never just said, hey, go ahead, take a peek. And then we got in the car and I said, if we weren't behind schedule, I would go in there and we would sit together. Miracle, 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 miracle. Can you see that? I call it miracles in the mundane. Miracles in the mundane. Who are you talking to? Who's next to you? Who can you be kind to? I don't know if that touched anything. By the way, I have no idea what she's going to ask me. Is it not rehearsed? I don't know what I'm doing here. I barely got here. <laughs> One of the things that we've talked about in your office is I would bring in some of them. I would bring in whatever I was studying at the time, and I'm like, okay, this is what I'm studying, Steve. And Steve pulls up his chair, and we would get into it. And what I love about Steve, I remember the first time that I was in session with him, and he just he loves big, and he gets so intense sometimes. If that's what's required, it's different with every client who he's who what I. But that's how I created him to be. And then I was like, this is what my clients feel, because as you know, I get intense and in the mornings, and that's how I felt with Steve, just such love. And one of the things I'd brought in at one point was Neville's work, and we had talked about this idea that Neville talks about, which is to know a thing spiritually is to become it. So we can know a thing mentally, we can maybe understand it in theory, but to know a thing spiritually is to become it. And over the last few days, and yesterday in particular, Steve, these miracles in front of us were tapping into something and a part of them to dream further than they'd ever dreamed before. And some of the things that they came up with, some of the visions were things like 100K months consistently, to new beautiful relationships, to beach homes for, uh, that they would ha see their family gathering, to a book, to working with youth, to teaching. So this is what has come up for them in their vision. Now to know a thing spiritually is to become it. So now they've got this, how would you say they would know this? 
How would they become this? Wow, that's a really simple question, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) 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 That is profound. So as a possibility, because I have no truth, these are just ideas I have. They might work for you. Some of them work for me. Some of them for other people. But I'd have you consider that the main thing that is necessary to have anything get created is you must create it spiritually first in your mind, be able to see it. I, I remember Clayton Mask walked in one day and I says, Clayton, what do you want to create? And he says, I don't want to say it. It sounds a little bit cocky. I said, try, try me out. Let's see what it is. And he says, I really don't want it. I says, does it start with a B? And he said, yeah. I said, is it, is it the word billion? He said, yeah. I said, so you'd like to have a billion dollar company. What will people think of me? And I said, you can't say it, you can't see it, you will never create it. I don't care what size it is. So I'm not telling you the truth about how to do something. I'm saying if you can't speak it, if you can't see it, it will not be created. And it's a one convert game. Guess who the only convert is needed? Yourself. And then as a possibility, not like some steps, I don't have any steps. I'm all about being. But as a possibility, say that you have this, what you're wanting to create. A good friend of mine, someone that I've worked with, named Byron Katie said, if you're willing to ask a thousand times for anything, you'll have it. And I've said to her many times, no, it's a lot less than 100. It's lost less than 50. It's a lot less than 30. We give up so quickly. We give up so quickly. I had a, this, this is every day of my life. I had a call yesterday, and it's a woman who talked to me, and she said, hey, I could use your help, and I listen to them, and I help people. And she says, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that. I says, and you want me to help you? I mean, your mind's going to beat me. I, there's no matter what I say. And she said, okay, what, what would you suggest to me? And I said, let me share a little story. And I share this with you right now. Let me share a little story with you that I would say to my daughters. My daughters would come to me and they'd say, Dad, I can't find my hairbrush. I've looked everywhere. Everywhere. My other daughter, the other day. Dad, I can't find my hairbrush. Have you seen it? I've looked everywhere. And both of them would swear they've looked everywhere. And that's what this lady was saying. I've done everything I could on this thing. And I said, do you know what I told my daughters? You looked everywhere the brush wasn't. Now go look where the brush is. We quit way early. Mm -hmm. Can you share more about that, Steve? We quit way early. (laughs) Yes. Every, every person that's out there is listening to me right now, or I hope, but they're somewhere, and you're having ideas. Those ideas are going around, like, why is he taking his jacket off? Why did he wear a jacket? How come, he, how come he wasn't here on time? What's going on with this guy? Or whatever you're saying. Your greatest enemy You talk yourself out of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
You say, I can't do that. That's bigger than me. How could I do that? Whoa, 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 whoa. So <clears throat> look at what's going on in your own mind. I say to Hina or any client I'm with, when I'm with them, are you open? Because if they're not open, I won't even tell them what I see. Because guess where it's going? Into their trash bin of, I can't do that. So you want to you clear it up? Again, this isn't a how-to thing. This is life. This is a process of living. She's asking a question. I'm taking a little sliver out of an enormous thing called living. It's like, what am I thinking about me? What are my thoughts about me? Most people don't even know what they are. What are my thoughts about her? So this, that, and everything else in between I call God. What's my thoughts about me? What's my thoughts about her or him and all of this? Well, I've got mine covered. Whew, I dig me. I'm talented. This is divine over there. God loves me. Let's go. So I'm not creating ideas that say, you can't, Steve, you're 68 now. You shouldn't be running eight miles a day every other day. And listen to your voice. You should rest more. I'll rest when I'm dead. <laughs> Look at what you're thinking. Your challenges aren't over there. They're over here. You know, you've got this experience that you're calling the expansion with Hina. When I saw that the first time, I looked at it, and I didn't see her name. So it looked like the expansion within. Then I said, oh, the expansion within Then, yeah, then, I, like, then it's expansion within. Oh, that's her name. Everything that occurs, occurs here. I can't convince anybody nor what I want to. But everything that's happening is here, and then it's brought out here. And some people will live and die and never get that. Or think, that's really weird. How could you say that? So the place to look is in. The place to look is in. What's my biggest challenge? Me. What's my current challenge that's stopping me from taking one step? That's a short version of something. Well, I love that because <coughs> in this environment, which we have all co-created, they've been able to tap into these incredible visions and what they want to do. And we know that possibly some of them will have the desire to turn on themselves yes. and to quit even before they reach the airport yes. and talk themselves yes. out of it. That's, I, I have a client in my office with me yesterday. I'm doing work with him internally. And he is just ecstatic at what he's seeing. I said, yep, I want you to know before you get in that Uber, you're going to go to that other place in yes. your head. We have so much practice of habitually judging ourselves that we don't even see that. So if, if, again, I wish I had 180 hours just to talk and say stuff, and if people heard it, you know, I can't make you hear what I'm saying. But I want you to know that your ideas of what you think of you 
are the most important ideas you can have. And I'm not talking about being self-righteous or selfish. I'm talking about being yourself with a huge S and where you really love who you are. We moved a bunch of stuff in this guy's life and he could see it. He was like, whoa. And I said, now get ready because you're going to strap on that other idea you had before you walked in here. Mm -hmm. So all of you know that the thing that's running you are your ideas. Sometimes we can be in the presence of somebody like Steve and so congruent, so authentic. And we think, wow, like he must never have judgments or he must never have a misstep. And I would love for you to share, Steve, the story of India with your hotel and a trash basket, the garbage can. Sure. And what you learned about you. Gentleman's name is Moshin. I'd never seen him before. We're about the 11th floor. I hope it was 11th floor. That's my favorite number. We're up pretty high in this hotel. And <clears throat> we've got a nice room that they provided for us. And my wife and I are there. Unfortunately, our luggage never made it. So we're in our pajamas into the second day. And we dug that, you know, just go with what's flowing. And I'm just really at ease. We're doing this bean thing. And I'm loving it. And I'm loving it. And then I open up the door and I say to this gentleman, hey, would you mind just emptying my trash? And he like, he just walked by. And I thought, well, so I walk out and I say, hey, I've got some trash here. Would you come in and get my trash? And he says, I can't do that. And I'm thinking, these are the thoughts I had. I've flown from India to come over here and do this. I'm giving him my time. Listen to the ego go. I'm giving him my time, and this guy won't empty my garbage can. That's not a big deal. And so I huffed away, went into my room, and closed the door. And I sat there, really on it. I mean, on it. I'll tell you another one, too. That yes, please that do. will be great for everyone here. Yep. <laughs> so I get a knock on, his, on my door later, and it's the same guy. And he comes in, and he says, um, are you mad at me? I said, yeah, I'm mad at you. I asked you to do something. You didn't ask, you didn't do it. I, I mean, I can't believe you didn't do it. He said, I'll do it now. I apologize. I said, I don't want your apology. I want you to empty the garbage. And I was mean to him. I was mean to him. I didn't let him empty the garbage. Get out of here. He leaves. I sit with myself with a small S, not the self with the large S. And I think, what did you just do? Who is that person? What's going on? And I cut a hold of myself, go down, talk to the manager. I want to try to find this guy because there's a lot of people there and he's not on my floor. And I told the manager what I did, and I want to apologize to this man. So it took a while. Later, gentleman knocks on my door, Moshin, and humble, humble man comes in. I'm so sorry I did not empty your trash. I said, no, I'm the one who needs to be sorry. I, I was horrible the way 
I treated you. I appreciate you. Thank you. And I genuinely apologized to him. I felt so sick about myself, but not long. I let it go. And I said, can I tell you what my wife and I are doing here? He said, yes. I said, my wife wrote a book. Guess who she wrote it about? He says, I don't know. I said, she wrote it about you. This is Moshin, the guy I was, you know, 30 minutes ago, was enemy of humanity in my head. <laughs> and I said, she wrote a book about you. Can I tell you about it? Then I took this book, I handed it to Moshin, and I said, read this back cover. And he reads the back cover. I'm crying because this guy was always an angel. I was the a-hole. He was never that. That's me projecting on him. And he reads the back cover, then he reads the front two pages. And I say, read this book about you. And I commit him to read the book. And then I said to him, I told him what's going on the next day, where this big event that was in India, put on by all volunteers, nobody's being paid. I said, I'd like you to be my guest. He said, oh, I can't get off work. I said, who do we need to talk to to get you off work? And he tells me, so we do that. And I tell her, his boss, a female, what I'd done, how sorry I was. And I said, I would like him tomorrow, there are really, some really great speakers speaking, I would like him to come up and speak on the stage. I want him to read the back cover of this book in the first two pages. And he's practiced it. And I asked him if it's okay with him. He's going to do it. He has broken English. And she was so moved, she gave him the day off. Well, I was kind of in the event. I was one of the people in the event. And the gentleman running it gave me some time. And you want to be careful when you give me time. <laughs> and I asked him to come up and read the back and the front. To me, it was the highlight of the event. That's how it began and that's how it ended. But if you have time for one, I'll give you one other one. Please do. <clears throat> Is that okay with you? So I'm, I'm in, under construction. Everything's practice for me. Um, there's a gal named Gabby Puma and I had her on a uh, FaceTime and I was telling her how I met a man named Kasuti. And he, this was, or not Kasuti, um, Freddie Cody. Tell me how I met Freddie Cody. And it's a little halfway house. So I'm, she wants to see it. So it's out kind of in the boondocks and it looks like a place where they want to keep you in it. And so I'm just telling her about it. And I, I go take her to see it and I point at it. Well, I'm not aware that some of the people behind there that are in whatever you call them, incarcerated. <clears throat> I'm not, they, they think I'm taking videos of them. So I drive a little black car, and this dude launched rocks at my car. I mean, just and And this is all, you know, I'm talking to Gabby, and she's saying, what's going on? I said, well, that guy just threw rocks at my car. And I walked over, looked at the car, and I walked over and looked at him, and he's upset, and he's dropping a few F-bombs. Why are you videoing us? You can't be videoing us. I said, I did not hear you. As I would have talked to you. If I knew you were talking to me, I did not even know you were there. Go get in my car, 
I sit down, and Gabby says, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to sit and think for a minute. And I'm walking, Gabby's on the, this is real lifetime with a lady that I love. And I sat there and think, well, if I go in here, he's going to be in more trouble for what he did. And what I could do is just fix my car. Mm. What do I do? And I played through that. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive home, which is about six miles away, and think about it and talk to my wife. I tell Gabby that. I drive home. I tell Amy the experience. And uh, she's very sensible. And she said, I think maybe your idea of not doing anything, just getting the car fixed, would be good. And I thought, you know, that will be. So I called Gabby up and told her what I was going to do. And she said, how do you do that? I said, practice. Practice. Now, that happened in the morning. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what happened in the evening. Can I get off uh, the Please. Oops, I'm stuck this up. So I'm, I'm with Amy, and we're going to the mall. And I'm carrying some stuff. And I'm a bag for it. We go into Dick's Sporting Goods. This is the evening of the thing I just told you about. And so we walk into Dick's Sporting Goods, and I'm ready to buy her an elliptical or whatever she needs in there. So we're going to drop some money in there. And I go up, and there's a line, and I say to the gal, I say, could, could you give me a bag I can put these in? And she said, are you going to be shopping here? And I thought, in my mind, what a crazy question. <laughs> like, what if I'm not shopping here? It's like... So guess what I did to myself? I insulted me. And I said, what, what a stupid question to ask me. I'm trying to get these. I'm coming to be in your store. She gives me a bag. I walk away and boom. What are you doing? What are you doing? I go get the general manager. I apologize to him. I go back and I apologize to her. In the same day, I have a very expensive car that got obliterated with rocks and simply went and had it paid for. And then took over a white painted stripe on the road, metaphorically. Nothingness tripped me up. <coughs> Thanks for listening. I'm under construction. <laughs> One of the things that's so powerful. Well, there's so many things, Steve, but I think about as you do take time to think, and then at times when you make very fast decisions with your into, like you get an intuitive nudge and you make very fast decisions. And I think of uh, the guardrail distinction as one of those times mm -hmm. when you made a decision that logically probably didn't make sense, but you would find out it did. Would you share that story? I can. Thank you. Would you like it? I would. Would they? Yeah. Okay, so I apologize with my voice. It's like I wear it out. I literally wear out my voice. And I give it to you, but I'm sorry that it's doing what it's doing. <coughs> I'll do this in the shortest version. And you, we have someone in the audience that had a great experience from this. I remember, Judy, did not you and your husband enjoy listening to the tow truck driver distinction? That you were in the kind of thing, and then you came up and told me what you did? Okay, so 
Here's the short version. And if you want to really get something out of this, you're going to have to listen from, there's some gold coming out of his mouth, and I'm going to get it. Here's the idea. We can decide who we're going to be before an event happens. And we do it all the time. Somebody got it this morning and said, this just is not what, what I thought I was going to get. There is somebody in here who's done that. So they decided what this is going to be before I even show up and whatever else is going to be. So I can see that that's possible. So this is part of the place where I create miracles. I've created miracles with Judy and some other women. I've created miracles where I go, not like I'm boasting. I just work at it and I make messes. And I clean the messes up very quickly. But I do make messes. <clears throat> so in this distinction, there's a guy named Nick Smith who wrote a book called The Giants and the Smalls. And he gave me copies of this book. And so I said, I'll distribute these as I'm going along my way in this little trip. I like to have fun as I drive and meet people. And so I'm posting things about it. And Nick is following my little escapade. He says, how are you, how are you creating all these miracles with these people? See, firstly, if you want to get miracles so they're uh, more in your life, quit being so stunned that they're so few. <laughs> We start, like, expect some. I said, that's just what's going on. He says, how are you doing this? And I say, I call them. What do you mean you call them? I decide what they're going to be before, before they happen. Wow. That's blowing my mind. We're on the phone. And so he says, man, if you do another one of these, when, can you tell me about it before it happens and kind of let me see through it? And I said, yeah, Nick, it's not like here's how to do a miracle. <laughs> It's like, I can give you, you see steps, but it's who I'm being to have the miracle occur. And you're going to take the steps. Good luck. You're going to fall flat on your face. But I'll do my best attempt at it. So I'm having that conversation with Nick. And this is the shortened version with Nick Smith. <clears throat> I pull off in Yuma, Arizona, get something to drink. I'm in the same car that got rocked at the halfway house. I, I come out. My little guide says, rear tire seven low, 18 low. 44 low. 44 is the whole tire. I pull over. My tires, there's no, it's just, it's no, there's no air. It's just totally flat. Porsches don't have spare tires in them. So you call up and hope to get a tire somewhere or somebody come and get you. So it's going to be a little while. And Porsche drivers know that. So I call Nick up and I say, Nick, it's Steve. Yeah, what's up? I said, we're going to have a miracle. He said, what? I said, dude, it's 118 degrees. I'm on the side of the road, and I have no air in my tire. Somebody's going to have to come and get me. Amy's expecting me at this time. I'm not getting home at that time. The odds of somebody in this little place having a tire that fits this car is really slim. This is going to be an experience. And, and Nick, no matter what happens, I'm going to have fun with it. And I tell him that. And I call it. That's what's going to happen. Now, get out of the car, go back and look at my tire, and it's just gone. See, cars zoomed by, I call Porsche. Porsche Roadside, may I help you? I said, I hope so. I said, and I said, 
I'm in 118 degree weather, my tire's just gone, and I need to get a new tire. And she said, one second, she got my name somehow, if I said it, or computer, one, one moment, Mr. Hardison, she comes back and she says, Mr. Hardison, it will take 40 minutes to even locate a driver in that city, and we, that's just trying to find someone, so this may take a while. And I said, that is so great. <laughs> I have some stuff. I've got to communicate on Facebook, and I've got to do some stuff. That is so great. Will you call me back? I'm sure she's at the other end going, dude, that's the craziest portion. They're typically saying, get that out here. Give me my thing. And I say, this is perfect. So I hang up. And I just love what's going on. I take my time. I do what I do. I'm sweating. And I'm just doing what I do. And then I get a call back from her later. And I say, this is Steve. She says, Steve, we can't get one out of Yuma. We've got to get one from is that a city in California. A tow, the tow truck driver, not a tire. They can get a tire. It's Sunday. Nobody's, you're not going to have a Porsche dealer open on at least at 9 o'clock at night. And she said, I won't be able to get anybody from, I think it was called Indio, until this period of time. And I said, that is so good. <laughs> that is so good. She said, what do you mean? I said, I've got a book I'm reading. <laughs> and she's like on the other end, like you would think. And I say, hey, do you have any idea wherever you're calling, whoever you're talking to, um, can you get a message to the tow truck driver? And she said, you, you want me to talk to the tow truck driver that's going to come out to your car? I said, yeah, I'd like to talk to him. Well, we don't normally do that. I say, okay, well, can you get a message to him through you? Yeah, I said, what, do you know his name? Yeah, I know his name. It's like protecting the guy from me. What's gonna do? I said, tell Mike when he gets here, he and I are going to have the best three-hour ride from where I'm flat tired to my home. And she says, you, you want me to tell Mike now? <laughs> I said, yes. So, boom, I'm on the side of the road. Here comes Mike, Native American. I don't know if his name is really Mike. About 28 years old, pretty husky dude. Knows what he's doing. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm going to video this thing. So I go across the freeway. My car's on the other side. I talk to him. He's like, she warned me about this guy. <laughs> so I'm on the other side of the freeway, and I'm videoing it. He says, hey, do me a favor. Don't get killed on my watch. You know, he's like worried about me. And I come over, and I say to him, Mike, I am, and I mean what I say, I am so glad you know how to use, work this, get this on, get my car there. You can take me there. I, I wouldn't even know how to do anything like that. That's amazing you do it. And I just acknowledged him for what he's doing. He puts the car up on, and he, I said, where do you want me to sit? He says, up in the cab, just kind of curt. So picture this 28-year-old Native American guy and this 67-year-old whatever over there. And first thing he does is he turns the radio down when we get in. And I said, what are you doing? He says, eh, we're not supposed to, when we have customers, <laughs> we're not supposed to have the music on. I said, what are you listening to? He said, oh, you wouldn't like it. I said, try it. He looks over at me, turns it on. Heavy metal, and I'm I'm rocking with it. And he's like, "Whoa, dude!" And I just start talking to him, 
and I talked to him about who do you think began heavy metal? Where did it start from? What do you like about it? Who are the best bands? What do you love about it? And we're having a conversation. All of a sudden, I find out his brother died and what he's doing. I tell him about the book that I've been planning for Nick Smith. I, want to, I commit him about having the book and reading it. And, and I say, you know, who do you think started uh, the whole heavy metal? And he says, I think uh, Sabbath, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath. And I said, I saw them in 1982. I was at a little deal with Ozzy. It was great. It was so much fun. And he's like, come on, this can't be real. This guy's listening to music. And I, then my phone rings. Pick up my phone. What's up? Steve, it's Nick. I said, I know, I said, your name's on the phone. I got it. What's up? <laughs> what are you doing? I said, listen. And I let him listen. Then I had him turn down the music. And then I told, I said, and then I just tell Nick what I just done with Mike, including enrolling him in reading Nick's book. And I tell him the whole thing. And Nick's like, you're kidding me. I said, no, talk to him. So <laughs> we had a ride like that all the way home. By the time I get to my exit, Mike and I are like, whew, we go way back. <laughs> and I said, Mike, when you pull off this freeway right here, the first right is where I live. But if you go down a bit, there's a car dealership that, uh, I mean, a car auto place that fixes tires. So while I was having that time in the car by myself, I called my buddy, because I know I'm not going to get a Porsche tire that time of night. He said, drop the car off. I'll have a tire for you. So that's what I did in the, the, the bitch time that most people would have. I'm fixing right. the future. <laughs> so Mike says, well, I'm really just supposed to drop you off at Chandler Porsche, drop your car off, and then drop you off. I said, I know, but hey, can you? Drives me right over there. We unloaded. I video the whole thing. I'm unloading a deal. He takes me back to my house, pulls in front of my house, got his big tow truck. I said, I'd like you to meet my wife. I take him in, he meets Amy, I take a picture of him. When he leaves, I call up Nick and I finish the story. That's the tow truck driver distinction, short order. Oh. You can decide ahead of time who you're gonna be. <clears throat> and you do it all the time. You do it all the time. You're already gonna be pissed and you know it. You're gonna be not happy with that. You're gonna be disappointed with that. You're doing that. That's the tow truck driver distinction in reverse, pun intended. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta get a throat lossage before my throat Please do. takes off. Yeah. Do you need anything? Do you want some more water? I have no needs. He with the fewest needs is richest of all. Steve, we had some people um, ask, bring in, submit some questions. Would it be okay if we did a few? But with our remaining time. If it's okay with, yes. Yeah. Tell me when you want me to go. <laughs> well, they would bring sleeping bags, I think, right? <laughs> would you? Would you bring sleeping bags? Okay. This is from Andrea. Andrea is not here physically, so she will hear the recording of this. And she says, Steve, how do you keep your head in the game through hard times, such as the ones we are living through right now? finding myself struggling to keep my vibrations high, which significantly impacts my creativity and my ability to give and receive in the ways I would like to. Oh, it's a very easy answer to that. Beautiful. 
whenever there's a problem out there that I am seeing as a problem, I just serve in love, literally, serve in love. So I'll give you a couple examples that are in the last few days. Yes. In fact, I don't really know why I bought this book, but now I do because this is somebody sent this book to me with a little note and then what I did to help her is exactly answering this question. And that's how my life works. When I go in to coach someone, I don't have a bunch of information I'm giving them. I'm working with them. So the answer to that question is a two-hour thing on this, which I won't do. I may do a short version. But it's anywhere someone's at. Watch the communications you get currently, what they're about, whether it's Israel, Hamas, what's going on in the Soviet Union, what do we got going on in the Ukraine, what do you got going on in your own house, and just notice how easy it is to get caught up in it. Mm-hmm. And I say to myself, what is it I can really do about it where I'm at? So the first confusion of war I get to solve is my own. So when I look at that and say, how could they treat each other like that? I ask, how could I treat the gal at Dick's Sporting Good like that? See, we want to solve and have world peace, we just don't want to have it in us. So I bring it to me, and I think, okay, what can I do today that would be useful for whoever I'm with? And I'm in that question. So my day is consistently a day of service and loving inside of the mess. The mess is going on. So I get a lot of communications, emails, texts, phone messages all over the world. Don't tell anybody this. And I respond to them all myself. I, don't, I can't always do what they ask, but I do respond to everything. So I get a little communication from a gal in Israel that I don't know. I know her name, and I know she knows of me. She sends a little audio telling me she's in Israel. Her mom's in one of the cities that's been bombed. She's worried. Well, what could I do? Well, I call her. I can't believe you're calling me. Hey, I'm going to make a deal with you, Karen Rosenberg. I'm going to make a deal with you, Karen. I was shocked. I said, no, no, we're going to make a deal. What, what? I said, you and I are going to love and serve people so much that when somebody does it, somebody doesn't go, hey, I can't believe you did that. Did you just hear me? Wow. And it's sitting everywhere. Steve, could you go back to that? Because I think that was so important, and I don't know if it really Are they, got Did you guys heard. have a big party last night? <laughs> we were at a dude ranch. Listen to this. Give me your mind and your heart and your soul. Who knows what I just said? Who can tell me what I said that she's wanting me to repeat? Stand up and share with me what with us what you think I said. I think she said we're going to serve and love people so much that when we do it, people aren't going to be surprised. That's right. So every time I do one of these things, and they're frequently, I'm not like keeping track. It's the way of being I am. I can't help myself loving people. It's who I am. So anytime I help somebody, and I can't believe you did this, and there's that, I can't believe this and this and this, whether it's like help somebody with their groceries or did whatever or pulled over and helped with it, I can't believe you did this. 
And I say, I'm going to team up with you. So I'm teaming up with the world, one person at a time, to help us actually serve and love people. That's what I can do in the times of turmoil. Take care of this world, take care of this world, takes care of the whole world. And it literally does. And Karen has been back and forth giving me information what's going on. I'm able to talk to her. And I'm able to hook her up with another person that's in Jerusalem and just serving for the love of serving. Next one. Glenna, could you stand up? Just so we know, this is Glenna and this is her question. Thank you. We call Glenna glorious Glenna, by the way. All right. Yeah. Her question was, or is, how do you expand your state of being to be more prosperous and abundant without feeling ungrateful for what you already do have? Did, did you hear her question? This is her question. Yes, did you hear it as you read it? Yes. The answer's in the question. Yes. How do you expand your state of being? Glenna's nodding. To be more prosperous and abundant without feeling ungrateful for what you already do have. You'll be more prosperous and abundant without feeling. Your answer's in your question. You don't need me. And I can give you a second answer, but your answer's in your question. See, if we're present, there's a lot of stuff that happens. Um, I think most people, my opinion, are freaky about money. And I make this up, it's not true. I'm not lying to you. It's just something that could work. You wanna go get the truth about money? Go talk to somebody else, I don't know what it is. But I only see three ways that there's money or prosperity or anything that you would tie to make, make it be like that. And they're very different. But I'll use money because most people are dealing with that every day. They're either exchanging it, trying to earn it, do something with it, get more of it, pay it off or whatever. And, and most people have a weird relationship with the three areas that I think there are. It's earning it, sharing it, enjoying it. Mm -hmm. So the way I go about it is like, if I got a dollar, first thing I think about is, man, who am I gonna give some of this to? My first thought. Second thought, I had to put some of this away for a rainy day. Third thought is, whatever I got left, I'm gonna have fun with it. And I've been doing that for X amount of years. Picture that you gave at least 10% of what you did to other people with nothing in return, just give it to them. Because you can increase it by then. It's like crazy, that's nothing. What's possible when you begin sharing. So pretend you give 10% away, just like to whoever, if you need any help with that, I can tell you places, all sorts of places. And then save 10% and then make my decisions on the 80%. So I would make my decisions on the 80% when Amy and I first got married. We didn't have a TV because I wasn't going to go finance a TV because I learned from Mark Twain. He who understands interest earns it. He who doesn't pays it. So I postpone anything I gotta have immediately. So I make all my decisions with what I got in the 80%. I've been doing that for 45 years. Now let's just take the 10% that I save, okay? 
just take 10%. Now sit in your chair and think, this is the answer to that question in a different way. Beautiful. <clears throat> sit in your chair and think how much money you've made since you've made money. And just think, what if I had 10% of that? Now let me blow you away. Money is the easiest thing to come by and create if you understand money and you don't have to have it. Picture that I just take, we'll just make it easy, so small amounts. I have $10,000 that I've saved. If I keep that $10,000 in a 10% returning investment of some sort, Every 7.2 years, that $10,000 will double. I've been married 46 years, so we'll take, let's go six times seven. So I got six, six reloads of that. That means it'll be six times 7.2 years pass, and I had 10 grand. So I have 10 grand, 7.2 years passes, I have 20 grand. And guess what? This time's gonna pass whether you do this or not. Mm -hmm. Then I go 7.2 more, I have 40 grand. I have 80 grand. I have 160. I have 320. I have 640. I have 1.2 some million dollars. That's on $10,000. I'm doing that with sums of 100 grand. Do it with 100 grand. You got 100 grand. You put it over there where it can grow. And great thing to do is to understand money. Use money, don't have it, use you. And money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. I don't love money, I use it. 100 grand, 7.2 years, 200 grand. 7.2 years, you following my logic here? 7.2 years, 400 grand. 800 grand, 1.6. 3.2, 6.4, And I'm thankful, and I've been giving money away, saving it, and making right decisions. And I, I can't remember the last time I paid interest for anything. I don't pay interest. I don't need some, and I'm not saying you should do this. Everybody wants, I want that car, I want this thing, I want this thing. You know, crazy thing, I don't want to pay cash for a car. And I grew up poor. And I learned principles, these principles I'm talking about. I call it 10-10-80. And I'll take executives I work with and work with them on 10-10-80. Alters their life. So watch those three things I said there. Giving, saving, and enjoying. Their habits, and most people have bad habits in all three areas. They do not have a habit of saving. It's not about how much can I save. It's can I get the habit of saving? Mm -hmm. It's not about how much I give, do I have the habit of giving? Mm -hmm. It's not how do I enjoy, do I, do I enjoy? Man, I love all three of those. I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to share. I'm thrilled what I look at and what I have. And you can start at any amount of money, including being in debt. I hope that, did that answer your question? And the question was answered in your question. <laughs>
Well, I'm getting the signal that I've got to wrap it up. <laughs> I can hear the groans. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> I know, we feel like we just got started. Yeah. I want to, I actually want to go back to, I want you to now listen to how Ianla talks about Steve after having an experience. This is what I know to be true. Some things speak to your mind. Some things speak to your heart. Some things speak to your soul. And some things speak into your spirit. And when something is speaking into your spirit, your mind can't comprehend what it is. Your heart can only feel it. And your soul allows it but it is your spirit that responds. With Steve Hardison, remember that you are stepping into the presence of an angel. It is not going to be anything like your imagination. What do you wear when you go meet an angel? My invitation to you would be to show up naked. You spoke into my spirit today, Steve. Did he speak into yours? Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.